0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I want to tell you about the Ringers Gambling Podcast. It is called Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, and you're not going to believe this, but it is hosted by Cousin Sal, the biggest degenerate gambler that I know. He's such a degenerate. He has three other degenerates that he calls the degenerate trifecta, and they break down every conceivable gambling thing you would ever want to gamble on. They even take you to Captain Morgan's Make Believe Casino where Sal makes up props on on all kinds of things, sports, pop culture, you name it. You are going to want to get your gambling advice from these guys. Cousin Sal, he's been a staple on the BS podcast for the last 10 years. So good that we gave him his own podcast. Check it out, Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, joined today by Robert Mays. Robert, there was a 40 to nothing game and a cat on the field last night. Give me your gimme what are you gonna remember from that game?
0: The cat was the best player on the Dolphins. I mean that's really yeah. all there is to take away. And Ooh, what a and, terrible and, football game. And the Ravens. Well, the Ravens scored 40 points. I mean, I feel like they should get some credit for this. I don't know. I mean, really I mean, two of them were pick sixes. That's fair. I mean, the touchdown to Jeremy Macklin was still better than anything that the Dolphins could muster the entire game. I'm just confused about how the Dolphins got so bad on offense so quickly. What what happened to Adam Gase here? That's my question. And I understand they got shellacked by Baltimore last year. Baltimore is a good defense that's getting back healthy, like Brandon Williams being back in there. It's amazing how overmatched the Dolphins' offensive line was. Those guys are just good. But still, I mean...
1: I mean, even when Matt Moore was in there last year at the end of the year, they were getting stuff done. Yeah. And they're just so far away from that group right now. And I believe in both the Matt the last two Matt Moore appearances, one against New England and one against Pittsburgh, he completed seventy five percent of his passes both times. So I thought there'd be at least a baseline of competence. I didn't I didn't make a prediction for this game because I didn't want to think about this game until it existed. <laughs> no um, need to. Um but did I, this game exist? I think that's the most important question. I think. What if that's we all? Just, what if we all just agreed to forget? Hey, that's fine with me. Let us never speak of it again. If we collectively
0: come to that decision, I'm pretty sure that's how reality works. If that's we all how it make is. it. Make it so.
1: Yeah. If the future is what we make it. Um. So I think generally, I, I would have predicted a close game. I probably would have had Baltimore winning, but I just had no idea the Dolphins had this ability to be this awful.
0: Their offense has been bad all season, but I kind of was lumping that on having a 30-something-year-old quarterback who doesn't give a shit about anything coming in off the bench and making $10 million. It appears as if there's something more systemic going on because they were good at the end of last season. Even with Matt Moore, they were moving the ball, they were dangerous, and there aren't that many substantial changes. I, mean, I know the offensive line's a little banged up on the interior but that shouldn't be the sole reason that no. they take this sort of fall.
1: Also like is it Jarvis Landry's whole thing just short passes? Yes. Like what how is that hard to to execute? It's unclear. I mean, like it's not you know you're not throwing it, throwing the ball vertically 40 yards downfield. That that takes talent to execute. I mean, it, literally Jarvis Landry is a dink and dunk specialist and you can't figure it out. Yeah,
0: it's very strange. I mean, the entire offense has failed to get much going the all year. They did some some stuff in that second half of the Atlanta game. For the most part, they've been awful, and I was going to lump it on Cutler, and maybe Jay does not deserve the brunt of the blame here. So
1: here's my new take. Jay Cutler is the best player in the NFL. Yeah, I saw you tweet that, which I'm not ready for that world. That's also Earl, a reality we, I would like to change. We spent all this time like, oh, wow, look how valuable Earl Thomas is last year when the Seahawks were without him and they, they forgot to play football. Well, the Dolphins went from a team that can win football games to a team that loses 40 to nothing and throws pick sixes routinely. And, uh, yeah, he's I, maybe the greatest quarterback. Maybe Dolphins era Jay Cutler is the greatest quarterback in history of football. Let's move on. <laughs> A lot of things to get through before we get to week eight of the NFL season. Again, week eight hasn't started because last night's game never happened. Yes. It's a really weird week. It's a wonky schedule. We don't usually have these. We usually have a Thursday night game, not this week. A game that didn't exist on Thursday night. Danny Kelly will join us for some fantasy football. Will they? Won't they? Predictions later. And the Ringers' Joel Solomon will be here in studio hanging out. Later, we'll do another edition of Am I Crazy? It's killing Joel. He's standing. He's sitting in front of the microphone, but he, he desperately just – he wants to talk all the time. Joel, give us, give us one thought off the top of your head. I, I just feel
2: so bad. The Dolphins, if any team needed a bye week, it's, it's them,
1: and they don't have one yeah. the rest of the season. Well – Good luck, Miami. That's a good point. Like is it? they don't even get like a, a mid-season Bahamas trip. I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking about that a little bit later, Kevin, something related to that. Oh yeah. That's Just a teaser. A little good tease teaser. Little teaser. Yeah, that's All right. right. Radio All right. Professional. First off, first off, let's get to our favorite four. These are our four top matchups of the weekend. Robert, let's start out with the Texans at the Seahawks. Now, we have to set up this week with with kind of the same disclaimer that we have every week which is there are no marquee matchups in the schedule because there are no real marquee teams in the league <laughs> except unless the Eagles and the Chiefs play each other again Um that's that's pretty much it right now everyone is so cobbled together so there are no I believe there are no games between teams with winning records this week so we have to We have to essentially get get them where we can find them. And so we're going to start with Seattle and Houston. This was the first one we threw out there, though. I mean, I think that that's that's well, I I think it's for there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, we want to see. I think the biggest reason before we get into all the other ones is we want to see Deshaun Watson against a a really good defense. But that's kind of where we are, right? We discussed this a little bit
0: on monday's show i think that was kind of part of my lasting impression is the idea that we need to kind of glob onto these smaller elements of these games that are still really fun and that's really fun but deshaun watson is appointment television right now and he's playing against seattle i'm very excited to see this dwayne brown's gonna be back for the texans maybe which is an underrated part of this thing the fact that it was underrated that he just skipped the first two months
1: of the nfl season i mean it was incredible
0: and we didn't notice it as much with Watson in, just because he's so good at escaping pressure. But now he won't have to do that. He won't have to be dodging cars and traffic on every single
1: pass play, which is nice. I like but that. What, give shot a little help. From a purely just news standpoint, I found it very strange how little how little news there was on Dwayne Brown for like the past four months. We've I mean, been holding out since July. And nobody cares. Like the NFL, everything is overcovered to like the tenth degree. And and the idea that there was a really good NFL player who was just like, nah. And no one ever found out. Well, he's an offensive lineman. I mean, if he were Cam Chancellor, this would have been a constant topic on
0: Sports Center every single day.
1: Yeah. I guess. But I mean, I mean it, that's just as simple as that. I mean, he's he I mean, like, like we 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 talk we talked more about Lane Johnson's absence last year than Dwayne Brown's this year a lot of I more. think if they had
0: kept Tom Savage in yeah and they Watson had been playing poorly and began, he was getting sacked a lot everything else he's getting pressured a lot but again he's so good at just kind of negating the impact of that that we it doesn't we don't need to talk about it it's just not a pressing issue because it hasn't torpedoed their offense like it would have if he weren't playing quarterback
1: did, did Dwayne Brown get a new contract or you just no, show I don't up I think so I think he just showed up well this was all very productive it, every holdout is man. It's how the league works. Well, no, some of those holdouts are fine. Mean, look at Darrell Revis is like he and, oh, Darrell and is like, the king, Jeff Bezos and Darrell Revis are the two guys at the top of the Forbes list at this point. <laughs> and Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford
0: comes in at number three. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Here's uh, so looking at this matchup, just kind of at a more granular level. Seattle is not at full strength. They're going to get Jimmy Lane back no. probably, but Bennett is hurt. He hasn't practiced this week, which who knows? I assume he plays just because he's Michael Bennett. And he always seems to, but if they have Averill and Bennett on the shelf, it feels like Houston could get some stuff going. I'd be curious to see how much that matters. Does the does Dwayne Brown coming back and them being without their defensive ends, does it put more pressure on the Seattle secondary, everything else? I feel like we're not seeing the Seattle defense at full strength, so it's not that good of a measuring stick for Watson. But it's still going to be one, maybe the best defense he's faced, probably.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's better than playing the freaking. I mean, he 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 did not start against the Jaguars. He played a little bit, but that that's that's a such a different beast because if you're not preparing as the starter, it's it's completely different. Uh, he's played the Patriots who. Spoiler alert! Not the best defense that, that he's played. They've been better. but They've been they were better, not good but they, when were they were not. <laughs> him. That was in their uh, that was in their pretty terrible stretch.
0: I mean, the Bengals
1: are pretty good. The Bengals the defense. Bengals is are good. solid. The Bengals yes, defense, but they is didn't. Good. The Texans didn't move the ball in that game. Right. It was one Deshaun Watson run was the difference they in scored that game. Thirteen points. So yeah, this will be it. Then they have the Colts, who will not be the best defense. They should player. be okay there. So yeah, this will be a really good test. Shaq Griffin's coming on.
0: I mean, they always seem to find guys, man. It's just the way it works there. Everybody's. In, well, I bet Byron Maxwell is going to come back next week and just be a reasonable corner for them.
1: I I feel like uh, that's not going to. I feel like I, I, that might happen. <laughs> that was a joke. That <laughs> might happen. No, 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 no. But that. I mean, they do that all the time. They brought Brandon Browner back for Christ's sakes. I know. If Brandon Browner can make it happen, they can put anyone. They over might there. bring. They might just two. just 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 to. Just to fuck with everybody, they made us bring Brandon Browner back again <laughs> and have him make a Pro Bowl. Um, yeah, Byron Maxwell being another Seahawks Pro Bowler uh, off the scrap heap w- wouldn't surprise me at least. Um, but no, I mean, Shaq Richard Sherman was talking about Shaq last week. I mean, if they, if they can find – the people were saying he's turning into the next Richard Sherman. If they can find another shutdown cornerback, just that's it. I'm, I'm calling the NFC. So Seattle, we kind of talked about this on Monday
0: that we feel better about them than pretty much every other team in the conference. I don't if know. I mean, money on it.
1: if Philadelphia and Seattle play in the NFC Championship game in Philadelphia, who you t- who you taking? I mean, if I was betting my life, I would take the Seahawks. Yeah, me too. I mean, I
0: think that's kind of where we are. So if that's where we are with Seattle, where are you at with Houston? Because it feels like in that bunched up AFC, and especially in that AFC South, where we kind of like Jacksonville, but who knows? I mean, the Texans kind of have a real shot at this. There's no reason they can't come out of that division.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're good, I guess, but I mean, I... I... They're still they. The, I, I sort of believe you are what your record says you are, and they're three and three at this point. So yeah. I just the, the entire three three. I think no it's no I point. know I know the <laughs> entire AFC South is just one big question mark. I have a real problem: are the Titans as bad as they've looked in certain stretches of the season, or are they four and three, which is what they are? Are they
0: the team that beat the pants off Jacksonville, or are they the team that can't score against the Browns? I mean, that's the question about Tennessee.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's they, they at this point. I mean, they're four and three in the same way that the Dolphins are four and three, which is I have no idea how oh. they're. Four and three. Jesus. <laughs> the Tennessee Titans and the Miami Dolphins, who are who, who at certain points of this year have looked as bad as an NFL team can look, are both four and three. What what is this? Yeah, it's this. Great. Is, this, this is the this is Black Mirror. We're in Black Mirror, and wh- this is what happens. Hey. Again, I'm excited to watch Deshaun Watson against that defense. I mean, that's what we got right now. We, we got to find the stuff that's fun, and we got to really clamp onto it hard. Can I drop a nugget? Go for it, buddy. My father is a history professor. At, I, I know. Yeah, UCF. Shaquille Griffin, his favorite student in 30 years of teaching. That's incredible. I, can't, I don't want to get into all that stuff. I, I don't want to get into the, the nitty-gritty of it, but I will say that he is as impressive a student as my father has ever had.
0: 30 years is a long time. That's a lot of students. We're talking like big seminar type classes?
1: Uh, Not not like 500 people. Okay. But, but, so, but, but, lo- I mean, not, not, sem- not small groups either. Okay. Not so like 10 middle people. Middle ground. Yeah. But like, so like 40 people are probably in the class. So he's seen a lot of kids come he's through. He's seen a lot of kids. And All that's right, UCF, well, we that. man. They produced Blake Bortles. I assume Blake Bortles th- is a fantastic th- I think, student. I don't think my dad taught Blake Portals. He may have. I did, we never talked about it. He didn't mention him as his favorite student ever. What, what was Blake Portals' major at UCF? I got to look this up. This is really important. Oh, wow. Uh, interpersonal organizational communication. Is this real? Is that like HR? Hold on. This can't be real. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. Interpersonal organizational communication. It's so that he can... What le- could that possibly he- mean? It's for him to lead a team without a quarterback. <laughs> the the class the class that he took was about how to win games with just your defense and just so cheering a, them on interpersonal organizational communication so I think that he's able to understand why none of the coaches talk to him just because exactly. he has a background in that exactly yeah? and then he explains it to the rest of the team why that's happening <laughs> Doug Marone has, hasn't learned my name here's why <laughs> all right Broncos at Chiefs. Yeah, man. Uh the the Broncos just we talk about this a lot over
0: the first, you know, month of the season or so, just the idea that it's taking a while for teams to become who they are. And it feels like the Broncos are kind of settling into the team that's closer to what I thought they'd be. And we're seeing it in a couple different ways. The offense is not playing very well, and I didn't think the offense would be very good. They were doing a lot of really cool schematic stuff at the beginning of the season. Tons of play action, giving Simeon easy throws, everything else. That stuff tends to fade away over the course of the year. If it's all you have if you're relying completely, they're not tricks, but they're just advantages driven by scheme. And I think that as teams, it's like when you see a pitcher for the second time, as teams get used to it, as there's more stuff on film. People catch up, and I think that's kind of what's starting to happen with their offense and their defense. It's taken a slight step back. It's still very, very good. The run defense is incredible, but that step back we all thought might happen just by virtue of time and math is happening, and they can't afford it with how bad the offense is playing. I think that's the version of the Broncos that some people thought they were going to be.
1: Yeah, I don't know what to expect in this game because I still am... Has the last couple weeks of Chiefs Chiefs performances gotten you somewhat off the Chiefs train, or do you think that their, their offense is still sustainable and the defense has enough talent? I think the offense is
0: still very good. I love just the way they've approached that entire group and the way they use their personnel, everything else. I think they're going to miss Conley over the course of the season in a way that we don't really think about just based on speed in the outside. They don't, I mean, Albert Wilson's fine, but when you don't have any receivers, losing one is not fun. And the other part of this is that the banged up players on the interior of the offensive line, they're good enough just as a unit to kind of overcome that. We saw that against Washington. They were able to sustain those losses and just still function. But I feel like over the course of the season, that's going to come out a little bit more. And we saw that last week a little bit. It just feels like they're not going to be able to roll the way they did early on, even though I do think they're still a very good offense. My question is more about the defense and how good yeah. they can be over the course of the year. And we're not going to see that exploited this week, I don't think, just because I don't know if Denver's the group to do it. But if I'm going to be pessimistic about the Chiefs, it's definitely because I don't think they can
1: stop really good teams. So. Per Pro Football Focus, no running back in the last two years has finished with more than 60 forced missed tackles. Kareem Hunt is on pace for 85. That's incredible. That's it's going to be insane. a really cool matchup
0: with that run defense and him this week. I mean, I think that that run defense, you look what they've done every single week, week in, week out. No one has got anything going. Yeah. And apparently if one guy's going to do it, <laughs> it's going to be the guy that's so, on pace
1: to force 85 missed tackles. So my general thought, on the Chiefs, we don't talk enough about the fact they lost Eric freaking Barry. Like, what they've been able to do is really impressive considering they lost legitimately one of the best players in the NFL. So, I think there will be the sort of regression we're talking about. I mean, they gave up 31 points to the Raiders last week in a game in which the Raiders got to run every untimed down until they won the game. But, I mean, I just think that there are going to be some struggles just because you can't over 16 games replace Eric freaking Barry. And that's kind of the thing, right? Like all of these
0: teams, you lose a star, you lose a couple you know, lesser players, but serviceable players at certain positions. Like with the Eagles this week, it's like, oh, well, they lost Jason Peters. They'll be fine. They're a good team. And it just feels like so many of these high-profile injuries, we may not see it instantly, but over the course of time, you're going to start to see the seams. And that's the concern with me and the Chiefs defense
1: hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. Um, the Jason Peters thing is as big a wrench in, in the plans of the Eagles as, as anything. I mean, like I, I just, I understand that by Tai is a capable backup and that he came in pretty seamlessly, but I mean over, over a full season, those, those things really matter. Yeah, absolutely. They do. I like that. I'm going to write about this pretty soon here
0: about just the offensive line play in the league, but the idea that they're keeping Lane Johnson on the right side. We're getting off topic here, but that's a good idea. I hate when teams change two positions and not just one. It just drives well, me crazy. It's like, why would you actively get worse at two different spots? And not actually get worse at two different spots, but three different spots because you're moving a guy who plays next to a guard yeah. and has forever.
1: Well, it's just dumb. Also, there, there's been a lot of research that says that whole blindside stuff is a myth
0: yeah, it's it's dumb. It, none of this makes sense. You can help out a tackle. Just put the tight end on the other freaking side. Right. this idea. Hard.
1: yeah, the blind side you got to have a dominant left tackle thing has been disproven a lot. It's how you use your other players. This is not a difficult thing, although the Sandra Bullock movie still stands out. no, it's great. Really yeah. great hair from her in that movie. That movie has outlasted the idea that you need a strong left tackle. <laughs> next, Cowboys Redskins, intriguing game. Because it's another one of these, and I feel like a broken record, but it's the case. We just don't know what to expect. Josh Norman is good to go. I'm excited about that. That's a nice little test for um, not only Dak Prescott, but you know there was an interesting story about just how how many turnovers and fumbles the the Redskins defense forces, and how they're sort of specialists now. They're they're a uh, they're not. They're not Charles Tillman, but they're getting there. No one is, and, man. No. And so generally, I think that uh, it will be an interesting test to see a if, if there's some sort of full-strength um, Redskins defense against the Cowboys offense. I'm at least intrigued by that little matchup. I think watching Dallas last week,
0: uh, we haven't talked about them in a little while. I think that's why I wanted to throw this game in there. Their offense looked really good. Yep. I mean, just very, very good. And the run game has kind of come back into place and i feel like that was part of their issue early in the season is that i don't know if zeke was out of shape he certainly looked like it but that run game was not this yards eating machine that it has been in the past and you watch them last week they look all the way back
1: they were playing
0: they were playing the niners that's fair the niners have a pretty solid front seven though i like the players in the niners front seven the Ruben foster was back i mean the Cowboys offensive line really pushed the Niners around. And I feel like if that offense can get back to a version that's close to what we saw last year in a watered-down conference, they suddenly become very interesting.
1: Absolutely. Um, not to change his subject entirely, what did you think of Kirk Cousins FaceTiming into a quarterback meeting while his wife was in labor?
0: I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. I don't, I don't really know a lot about labor. Like, How intensive is it? Does he need to be there the whole time? It can go for a while, right?
1: I think we should move on.
0: They had a, he had a doula. I, I really don't know a lot about labor. I'm sorry. This is not not an area where
1: I'm an expert. <laughs> Did he do it at his house? Was this at a hospital? I think it was at a hospital. Okay. Which, she could she, is, get, it, she could hear him on the phone with like Colt McCoy. Well, I, I, knew came that, out, I read Greg's story, via, yeah, but yeah, Greg Bishop came it, out. With it's this.
0: I don't it would I don't know how the terminology just kind of confuses me. Is it still a doula in a hospital, or is that something that's a
1: little more of a like? cozy home thing how I don't much know, I, robert how much about this process needs to be explained to you cuz we only where need, babies come from yeah no that's what i was getting at <laughs> that i was getting at how long uh, how far back we needed to go pretty far back my public education was not very good i went to public school too but i i learned your dad
0: was a professor though i feel like you're two steps ahead oh, of oh yeah i
1: know a lot about like the civil war now but not
0: how where babies come yeah. from we're <laughs> both in the dark on that <laughs> right all right raiders at bills this is another one where it just feels like two really interesting noticed, AFC teams. If you have noticed, they're all
1: like that. <laughs> yeah. Every game is the same except Eagles and Niners.
0: So this feels like a game where the Raiders defense needs to do something. And I think that we say that every week. But the Bills offense has an intriguing collection of players. Like there's two or three guys on that team that can hurt you. And maybe it's just two. I mean, Tyrod and LaShawn McCoy, they need those guys to just make outstanding plays to have for that offense to stay afloat. We saw that last week. Tyrod made a couple excellent throws. McCoy was really good, and they put up 30 points. And I think that that's what this team is going to need to be. Is one or two just shot plays from those guys, McCoy ripping off some yardage, and then the defense playing really well. So the Raiders really need to limit explosive plays from the Bills because if they don't get those, they don't sustain offense very well. Like Deontay Thompson made big plays for the Bills last week. He was on my team. I know what Deontay Thompson is. And without that sort of splash stuff, they're just not very good. So let's see if the Raiders can actually
1: slow that down for once. Here's why I'm intrigued about this game. Because the Raiders are three and four. If they win this game, they're four and four and everything is kosher and everything is back. Okay. They have the Dolphins next week and then the Patriots after that and the Broncos after that. I don't know what to expect, but it's a pretty pivotal four game stretch and they need to win this freaking game. And I still believe that the Raiders have what it takes to at least win a playoff game or two. I've, having seen what I've seen, Over the past seven weeks, I don't believe them to be a Super Bowl contender, but I at least think they can get in the hunt for a playoff spot. Just because, again, there has to be six playoff teams, and and who the hell knows what's going to happen. But I've been intrigued enough with Derek Carr on offense. I think the defense is at least manageable. I mean, even in the Chargers game, which they lost only up 17 points, which you would take with a competent Raiders offense. And Mark Cooper playing the way he did last week is 210
0: yards is pretty good. I mean, and if that version of the offense can show up against this team, the Buffalo still is a good defense. I know that Tampa put up points on them last week, but the Bucks' offense is actually pretty good. So that's not something that doesn't take away from Buffalo in my mind. I still think that group is really solid. Maybe the best coached defense in the league right now, when you consider how good they are and how much individual talent they have. I've just been very impressed with, How they're able to put their guys in spots, I mean, they blitz the right way. The coverage just plays very well into what sort of personnel they have. Guys like Jordan Poyer are playing really well. So I feel like that sort of unit against – that's why the Oakland had trouble against Washington. Washington just very good at getting to spots before the Raiders got there, just beating guys to the catch point, everything else. And I think Buffalo's that similar sort of team – So I think that's going to show a lot about how much the Raiders offense has or has not grown over the past four or five weeks here.
1: Is Derek Carr... I wrote about Derek Carr on Tuesday for TheRinger.com. And I feel like we have to have a bigger discussion about Derek Carr because we had a discussion on Tuesday's show about basically what a great quarterback can do. He can sort of mask deficiencies in... Roster building, he can overcome a great de- excuse me, overcome a bad defense, all that stuff. Where would you put Derek Carr in sort of the QB tiers at this point in his career? Right He's now, definitively in like the second or third tier. The I think the second Derek or Carr- third tier. Yes, I think Derek Carr is the perfect
0: example of a quarterback that is buoyed by his surroundings. I mean, Derek Carr doesn't get hit. That's in part because Derek Carr throws the ball very fast, which I think is a problem in and of itself. But I also think that he has a very good pass blocking offensive line. I mean, Derek Carr has a really nice little setup there. It's very sure. cushy. So, so I think that that's why he's an interesting case study here because he plays into my thought that
1: it's as much about the surroundings as it is about the quarterback. Sure. So obviously Derek Carr is actually getting pressured less than he was last year. Um, He was pressured 23% of the time last year. He's being pressured 22% of the time this year, which is just absurd when you look at, Someone like Deshaun Watson, who I think is being pressured forty six percent of the time, but he's also holding the ball. Yeah, for no, like no, no, no. I mean, there's play. there's a there's obviously a lot of factors that that go into that. Having said that, um, the other thing about Derek Carr is that he also against the Chiefs decided to start holding the ball longer, and we That's saw, what want, man. we saw the effects of it. I think I saw the PFF number that he was. He held the ball almost half a second more than he had during the season against the Chiefs. I've been saying it for two months.
0: <laughs> so all I want is for them to actually have an aggressive offense. Like, take advantage of the players that you have, please. So yeah. it's
1: nice to see. I mean, yep. they need that in order to hit their ceiling. Right, exactly. And so I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I think that Derek Carr is on the upper echelon of the second tier. So I, I'm a little more generous with him than you are. And I time, think we don't have time to think, lay out. the I think tears. that he I mean, can. I think. Yeah, that's Mike Sando's job. But yeah, exactly. um, just read Sando. Um I think that there's I think he can win a Super Bowl one day. Yes, absolutely. I don't think he's a quarterback that would prohibit you from winning a Super Bowl. I just don't think I'm mean, I it, at it a couple, of guy that with, can lift the players around him. He could have done it last year. If it, I mean, if, if absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Derek Carr's good my take okay let's move on to my hottest take that I actually kind of believe that's if you have never heard it before um, it's a informed take that we don't we don't want to go pure hot take here because that's that's for the other shows But we want to do want to have some opinion here and I'm going to echo something for this segment that I wrote on the ringer.com today football is more brutal than ever there was a Harvard study I was reading this week that essentially injuries have risen again one injury and a half per game since 2009. Now, the way the NFL injuries are reported has changed a little bit, which makes strict reporting and tabulating of those injuries a little hard. But just generally, the injuries are trending up and reporting of injuries is trending up. And that's sort of how you read the tea leaves. So you have that. You have the fact that two or three prominent TV executives came out this week. First of all, had Mark Lazarus and NBC telling the Sports Business Journal that there's football fatigue because there's just too much football on TV. And then James Murdoch, the Fox CEO said that um, it's asking a lot of consumers to watch every football, every NFL game that's put on. And everyone knows what he means by that Thursday night, Sunday morning, four times a year at, and if you're on the West coast, that means six 30 in the morning, 1 PM, 4 PM Sunday night, which goes till midnight and then Monday. So, I mean, that's, when we were growing up, Robert, which, and we're not old, it's not that, that there's a lot more football than there was 10 years ago. In fact, there's 22% more game windows than there were in 2007. So, what is your kind of half baked solution to this? You give everybody a week off this week. Ooh. You give everybody a week off Ooh. this week. Because here's the thing the NFL faces a decision. Either they agree with these network executives, and they give money back, which they're not going to do. Or they say, what about a different way to fight football fatigue? And how do you reinvigorate the appetite? How do you whet the appetite of the American public for week 9, 10, 11 NFL games? At week 8, you just say, everybody go home. No football this week. And everyone, we we get to take stock of the first half of the season. We get to get excited about people like Deshaun Watson. It's not like football would go away. Have you turned on ESPN? It's just it's like it's one of the Hasselbecks talking about football all the time. One of the seventeen Hasselbecks. Yeah. So they would just spend their time. It would be they would still dominate the news cycle, even with the World Series on, and even with basketball on the NFL. There's still plenty to talk about. There's I mean, still there's plenty you just to talk about. Every team. So you just you you take a break everyone goes home everyone go to the Bahamas or whatever the Miami Dolphins could do whatever they needed to do it would be a second bye week for everybody but it would be league-wide it would deal it would solve so many of football's problems so football or the Super Bowl would just be the second week in February yeah which is which they've always wanted by the way who
0: cares I mean, it's that
1: doesn't do anything to the league. I mean, but it they've, doesn't they've change also a single bit. Always wanted that. In 2009, they floated the 17 game season. They were like, well, why don't we just have the Super Bowl on President's Day Sunday? That'd be good. First of all, that'd be great because you would have the Monday off. off. Yeah.
0: And it doesn't really change the calendar at all. I mean, the only thing that would really do is that it, you bump up the Super Bowl and the Combine, but yeah, who I, cares? you could bump the Combine
1: back a week. I've never understood just why it had to be two dra- weeks later. Bump the draft back. Who cares? Yeah, I mean it. It, it doesn't. You're really you're pushing up on pitchers and catchers reporting. <laughs> How dare they! All the pitchers and catchers we can name are <laughs> reporting at that time of year. <laughs> I think it's a great idea, and guess what? That means a week off for us, which I, I'll take. It's you not, know, like it's not a week off for us. I mean, if I, from watching football on Sunday. No, but we'd be here recording content. No, of course, but I just mean
0: on Sunday, you know, it's. I love watching Football all day Sunday. It's my favorite part of my life more or less but it would be nice to have a Sunday to like go look at some fall foliage I'm, I'm down with that do you, have you not seen any fall foliage No I do but I haven't made a conscious effort just to go sit in it you know I haven't like taken a drive up to the north and, Shore f- you sit in fall foliage I, it, it's a you know, you know what I mean I would like take a walk take a stroll by some
1: trees on I don't purpose. know I don't know anything about the Midwest. Didn't you live here once? Yeah, for like a year and a half. And I bailed because everybody was sitting in fall foliage. We enjoy it. It's, I like fall here. It's very fun. The North Shore is pretty. I would just like, you know, go up to Evanston or Wilmette and just kind of walk around. Sounds great. The thing, the thing about Chicago that I hate is that nothing's ever open. Like it, the, the summer, like all the stuff around the lake is only open for like five weeks at a time. Yeah, that's true. Because the summer is five weeks long. There's a yeah. reason for that. That's, on, that's not a common thing around the world.
0: That's understandable, but we, we have only short windows for that stuff to actually matter or be useful.
1: When the, when the draft was there in like May, it was like 40 degrees. Yeah, it's 40 degrees now. <laughs> Great. It was 70 it's a week like, ago. It's like, That's a, how it's it works like 100 degrees in Los Angeles right now. Okay, Robert, we got that out of the way. We're all taking a bye week next year, but I have a feeling we're missing something. Tell us, Robert, this week, what are we missing when we're talking about these games? So one of the other games that I find particularly interesting this week is
0: New England and the Chargers, just because the Chargers' defense is playing so much better. And that's been kind of driven by what Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram are doing. And I feel like that's a really cool matchup this week. Those two guys against this Patriots offensive line, a group that's playing much better. And when you're watching that game, if you are, not only should you watch Bosa and Ingram individually and just the way that they play, and that is... Fascinating. They are such a cool interplay as in two as two opposite edge rushers. Their styles are so different that they just play into each other very well. Bosa's a technician. He's has the best hands in the league, maybe. Really good at just understanding leverage and timing, and he's like a trickster. And he does that in a way that pretty much no other pass rusher in the league does, and it makes him super effective. Ingram is just on a tear every single play. He plays with this ferocity that really sets him apart. Physicality among edge rushers, I think, has become this weird market inefficiency just because everyone's so fast. So when you can find a guy that can run over people, it goes further, and he's one of those guys. So not only do they play well individually and play well off each other, but the way that the Chargers use them is very, very cool, and it makes them even more effective. So if you're watching this game, just take a look at where those guys line up on any given play. And I think that Even if they're not attacking individual pass rushers on certain teams, by virtue of lining them up all over the place, eventually they always find a weakness. They'll line them up next to each other on the same side and twist. They'll line them up on the opposite side and twist. They'll line them up both inside on certain plays. And just the variety of attacks always allows them to make one or two plays a game. And as a pass rusher, that's all you need. If you make if you second, if you're one second game, if one forced fumble every two games, you're a Hall of Famer. And I think that the Chargers have done a very good job of realizing what makes their defense good.
1: And they're going to have to find three or four of those plays against the Wingo to have a chance. Interesting that you wrote last year about Bill Belichick's crush list, which is essentially the guys that he's just absolutely in love with. Um, that's been noted throughout. Belichick's reign. He loves Larry Fitzgerald. He loves Ed Reed. I mean, thank you. I think he wants loves to Ed Reed. Ma- marry Ed Reed. <laughs> Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram will have to go in together into that Hall of Fame because Belichick is in love with them too. He said, "Uh, is talking about the, their third and longs." He said, third and long is basically a sack and a turnover reel when those guys are on the field." Yeah, and that's true. And also, I just, I think Belichick likes the challenge of game planning against these types of guys. I think I don't I think that Brady is probably nervous because he's 40 years old and Ingram had that hit on. Um, who did he who did Ingram hit last Simian. week? It yeah, was, it was Simian. I have he, he no idea. Flagged, it was a penalty. He got flagged for no reason. Yeah, it was. He hit him too hard. 15 yards. <laughs> what is I hate that? It's awful. I hate in real time. It's I, tough. I, I I hate that. We when there's just a big hit, they just reflexively throw the flag. I know it's annoying, and
0: especially when the guy it's totally clean and it's like such a good football play, it's frustrating. And that that play is an interesting kind of microcosm of what they do. That was a twist inside where Ingram lined up just over the top, over the guard and then went inside over the, the center. They do that stuff a lot, and that works against teams that don't have great communication. And Denver is still kind of coalescing as a line. They have some new pieces. The Patriots will not be that way. That is what Dante Skarniecki and that is what a line that's been together for years does for you is that those games don't work as well. But trust me, they're going to try plenty of them.
1: All right. Time to welcome in Danny Kelly, our fantasy football genius. Danny, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great, buddy. I'm happy you're here. Danny, how has your your life changed since DK's Dark Knight became the biggest sensation in entertainment?
3: Well, it was, a, it was a real rough week for the DK's Dark Knight last, last week, guys. Yeah we'll,
1: I, yeah,
0: we'll get to that. But even the sensations hit a snag sometimes, Danny. I mean, oh, Friday, yeah. night
3: Light is,
0: Friday Night Lights is beloved. Everyone hates the second season. Right. You're going mean, to have some low points.
3: I can't even go out on the street anymore with, without just people running up to me and asking you know, about the Dark Knight. So it's, it's, it's hard. I hey, won't lie, but it, I appreciate the Danny, planhood. can I ask
1: you a question? Why do a critical mass of Seahawks fans hate Derek Carr? <laughs> I wrote a story about Derek know. Carr on Tuesday and there was like pushback from like I don't know 10 people and they were all like Derek Carr sucks and they were
3: yeah. all Seahawks fans the um, inferiority
0: complex about Seahawks and quarterbacks is very strong they gonna, hate Derek yeah. Carr but they hate Andrew Luck even more I yeah I was yeah. gonna say
3: that it's moved on from the Andrew Luck hate because he's out this year yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, they needed somebody, I guess, and, and that and Derek Carr. I, you know they don't like when people are excited about other quarterbacks because Russell Wilson just still underrated, I guess.
0: Your team scores nine points a game, Danny.
3: <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't understand why everyone's so angry.
1: <laughs>
0: I generally <Jenna laughs> like, but like I like, down.
1: I like Seahawks Twitter for the record. I just I was I, I was in, interested in why that was happening. I never encountered the Andrew Luck thing. I just. Is Seahawks it's Twitter the, the most organized and vocal like Twitter fan base that's not a major market? They have yeah, to be right. Yeah, because see, the problem is is that some of the other one like the Cowboys Twitter is just too big and unwieldy.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's no <laughs> voice.
1: To, the Seahawks Twitter like has one collective voice. They yeah. march in step. It's very impressive. They all know each other. The, yeah, the exactly. Cowboys Twitter is is the biggest force, but there's no like they just spend most of their time retweeting like four year old tweets. Cowboys Twitter <laughs> Bad takes Yeah 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 And like that's their thing Is like they Like I remember I made an 8 and 8 joke A couple of years ago And they were going 8 and 8 all the time And the year they Went like 12 and 4 I had all these Cowboy fans Retweeting it And being like Idiot <laughs> It's like oh wow yeah. I made an 8 and 8 joke About the Cowboys Cowboys that was, Twitter That was really going favorite. Out on the limb Seahawks Twitter does though Have
0: it's own Collective consciousness Which is pretty impressive <laughs> I, know, I think we, it was yeah. Tim
1: Kawakami Who said once And I, I, I tend to agree With this That NFL Twitter, they all all they do is claim to know everything about their own team. Whereas NBA Twitter, they claim to know everything about the league. Which well, I NBA think, Twitter is just full of the best people in America, so that's why they're better than us. I don't know if you ever realized that. <laughs> just tweeting "best league" over and over again. Yep, yep. It's such a great league. What a league!
3: The NFL Twitter, I think, just in general, is really bad and angry and bitter and. And that's
1: just the ringer, people.
2: <laughs> Folks. If, you're, if your league was basically all Denver Nuggets teams, you'd
0: be yeah. upset too. <laughs> exactly.
1: I don't, th- I don't think NFL Twitter is any more bitter than any other type of Twitter. I just think that we monitor it more. Should do that's a study true. on Twitter. Twitter's just a bitter be-
3: place, period. <laughs> all right, Danny, let's dig into some fantasy football chatter here. All right, let's do it. Um, so speaking of Derek Carr, actually... Uh, We're talking about some of the best and worst matchups for this weekend. And I wanted to talk about Derek Carr at the Bills because I think, generally speaking, the Bills' defense has been pretty good this year. It's been sort of a revelation. But this week, it's going to be interesting. Number one, does Derek Carr have Amari Cooper back? Like, is he back? He had 19 targets last week. 210 yards. Ridiculous. Um, So I guess he's back. I'm hoping he's back. He's on my fantasy team, so I definitely hope he's back. Um, But the Bills are going to be without... EJ Gaines, it looks like Jordan Poyer is going to be out, too. They've looked a little bit more mortal in the last couple of weeks in terms of their defense. So I'm actually kind of thinking Carr could have a big game, even though it's in Buffalo.
0: Really? I guess that's a good point. I mean, we were talking about Poyer earlier. He's been playing really well, just the guy off the scrap heap that they've gotten a lot out of. And Gaines is kind of the same way. He was a th- uh, throw-in in that Sammy Watkins trade. Right. And right. they found a useful starter. I mean, losing those two guys, that is a big deal. That's kind of a, a counterintuitive thought, Danny. I, I wouldn't have thought that you would have thrown Carr in there, but I guess it makes sense.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of looking at, you know, the things that go against the narrative a little bit sure. in, in that one. And I think, you know, it, it's still a risk because, number one, you're on the road. That's always worse. And and two, it's Buffalo, which I think it's going to be in the 50s. It's going to be kind of cold, so we'll see. But I just he looked really good last week. I mean, he gets good protection. And the Bills are really banged up. So that's something to watch. Um, you're going something... to
1: get, get kicked out of Seahawks Twitter for this. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I already got kicked out. I'm, I'm already on the outs. I, I join in every once in a while, though. It's fun. How'd you um, get kicked out? I, I, you know, I, I joined the national media. I get, I get called a trader a, a T-R-A-D-E-R, oh, about 15 to 20 times a, a week. So trader um, Danny.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Wow. So this next one, the next quarterback, this one's a little more obvious. Uh, Carson Wentz versus the 49ers. I think he could go off in this game. I mean, he's playing with incredible confidence right now. Uh, and the 49ers' defense is just bad. I mean, they're 29th in past DVOA. They've given up 7.9 yards per attempt, 98 passer rating. You know, they're just they're just not very good other than the one guy to look out for is, is Ertz because the 49ers have actually been really good at defending tight ends this year. I think... Actually, coming into last week, they'd given up the fewest fantasy points to tight ends of any team. So, you know, if you're if you're starting Ertz, that's something to keep in mind. But I think Wentz could go off in this game. And that's not a that's not a really hot take in that one.
0: Interesting kind of nugget from the Niners this week. I mean, we were kind of tweeting about this earlier this week, Danny. That moving Eric Reed to linebacker as more of a yeah, full time. That's interesting. Thing. And I feel like we're seeing that more and more. I mean, it's just an extension of a lot of the moves that have happened throughout the league over the last couple of years. The Packers are doing a little bit of that this year just to help out their pass coverage. I mean, that really is something that's not going to go away as long as we're living in this sub-package world. And I think that that's a good team to do it. I mean, they have two useful yeah. safeties. Why not put your best guys on the field, especially
3: with Bowman out of town now? Absolutely. It was really interesting what Robert Saleh said. He was saying that defenses, in particular, linebackers, are way behind in the evolution of like, you know, how offenses yeah, 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 yeah. are just spreading out. I thought Doing that was fascinating. That. He told yeah. me that
0: last year because I was writing a story about that, about this the evolution of the linebacker. And I was asking him about Miles Jack and Telvin Smith because they wanted those undersized guys that could really move. And he made the exact same point. If we're going to have a league full of Danny Woodheads, we have to have guys that can cover them. Yeah. And if absolutely. you look at Telvin Smith's physical profile, I was actually looking at this on Mock draftable this week It was fascinating the number one player that he resembles physically on that, like the spider charts is, uh, Jordy Nelson. Oh, he's really? a that's linebacker. <laughs> so it's just, that's where the league is going. And I think that yeah. the fact that he coached those two guys in Jacksonville last year and the year before that, and now he's trying to do something similar with Reed, who is one two thirteen. He's no smaller than Telvin Smith in terms of bulk. So right. they're very similar in terms of, just their overall size and the way that they move, so why not try something somewhere? It makes a lot of sense. You were, complaining, yeah, I mean, we get...
1: you were complaining earlier about not seeing the fall foliage, and then you said you were on the mock draftable page for Telvin Smith.
0: Yeah, that's how I said <laughs> Those two things might be linked.
3: <laughs> Alright, Danny, let's get to running backs, or excuse me, wide receivers. I kind of grouped Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen together because they're sort of 1A, 1B for that, for the Vikings, and we're not sure yet if Diggs is going to play. He's questionable right now, but I think both of these guys have a pretty good chance to go off because they're facing the Browns defense, which has been bad to begin with. And Miles Garrett is out. Jason McCourty looks like he might not play. He's been sort of the bright spot on that defense. Looks like Japril Peppers is going to be out. Uh, this Browns pass defense is kind of a mess. And, you know, I, you know, obviously the, the Vikings haven't been like a prolific pass offense necessarily under Keenum. But I think that both of these guys, I feel like you should start them with confidence because, it, I mean, it's... You have to watch out for Diggs whether he's going to play or not, but I think you got to definitely start Thielen with confidence just based on the matchup here.
0: When they've played teams with Keenum that have bad pass defenses and are especially defenses that are undisciplined, they've taken huge advantage of them. Remember that Tampa Bay game? Even with Keenum in there, they were just slinging it around the yard. And I think that if Thielen, if if Diggs doesn't play, I think Thielen could have a huge game because they're going to go to him a lot, and he's a guy that absolutely can eat against teams that just. Aren't in the right spots, and that's exactly what the Browns are. The Browns are a horribly coached defense.
3: I mean, last week they actually had they actually looked pretty good again. Was it last week when they played the Titans? They did look
0: good against the Titans. Yes, last week they looked okay.
3: But that to me feels like an outlier. I think they're going to probably fall back to what they were before. And so, yeah, I think the Vikings offense in general, you know, if you if you have Keno on your team, I think that's another one you could you could definitely start with confidence. The next the next matchup that I am looking at is actually pretty interesting. And normally, I mean, you're going to start Antonio Brown regardless. I think, you know, there's no no, there's no other way around it. But this is an interesting matchup with Darius Slay. Darius Slay has been kind of one of the top guys and in the, in the, in the top cornerbacks in the NFL this year that's kind of been um, shadowing opposing receivers. He's done a pretty good job. And so I think that is a really interesting matchup to watch. Just like see those two go at each other the, during this game. Are they going to try and go away from Brown? Probably not. So, you know, we'll see. I, I still think that Brown is probably going to get the best of them. I think Brown could go off, but that that is a matchup I think to watch because Darius Slay's been really, really good shadowing coverage this year.
1: Danny, was that phone call, Seahawks, Twitter calling you to kick you off? That was oh, that's wow. my bad.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: that's I on here.
0: And Danny, the other thing about Brown that I think could be interesting is that you would assume with Martavis Bryant out that Brown gets more targets, but that's a bad way to think about it because Antonio Brown's getting 18 targets no matter what. <laughs> right. So now we're, having a situ- we're looking at a situation where you lose Bryant on the other side, which just completely changes how the Lions are going to be able to use their safeties. So if you can use a guy over the top on Brown, you can bracket him the entire game because you mm-hmm. don't have to worry about playing too high against Martavis Bryant, then it really can change the way that the Steelers can use him. So I feel like that plays into it in a way that might seem different than people
3: think at first glance, just because you assume he'd get more work. That's a great point. And do you think that makes Juju Smith-Schuster kind of an interesting uh, fantasy player this week? Yes, just because I feel like he can do some work in the slot that kind of Changes the
0: complexion of that. I mean, when you have two, yeah. if you can move, worry about the safeties on Brown's side, I think that the work you can do underneath a little bit on the other side changes. So I feel like he might be a guy that gets more work
1: now than he wouldn't in a typical game. Okay, DK, running backs, hit us.
3: Let's do this. So, Cream Hunt this week going up against Denver. Denver's run defense is absurd, you guys. Number one in the run by DVOA. They've given up just 431 yards all year. That's 71.8 per game. Zero touchdowns on the ground this year. 3.0 yards per carry. I think, I think we could actually see Hunt kind of take a step back. I mean, he's going to probably still factor into the passing game. So if you're in a PPR league, he's still going to be, you know, obviously a, a valuable guy to start. But Denver's run defense has been incredible. I mean, that... You no, know, I don't know if plug in Pico in in the middle there has been like the difference because they were kind of bad last year against the run, but man, they have been stout up front. He's been really good,
0: and I think that that's kind of <clears throat> crazy when you consider how poorly he'd been playing in Cincinnati the last couple of years, and it really speaks to how good they are at establishing, or how good, they, how well they're coached on that side of the ball. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's the impressive part.
3: Absolutely. So I think I think Hunt is. I mean, you're not going to stop. You're not going to not start hunt, but maybe don't expect the world. And Danny, your next running back, Zeke Elliott. This is a huge test for the Redskins' defense. Right now, they're pretty good. They're tenth in DVOA, ninth in yards per game against the against the run, um, but they're still giving up 4.0 yards per carry, which is 17th. So they're just kind of in the middle of the range there. I'm actually high on Elliott this week. I think that I think that offensive line is really starting to come together. I mean, like they weren't quite as dominant as you as you sort of expected early in the year, but. I think they've come around. I mean, obviously, last week he went off, LA went off. I think he's gonna. I think he's up for a big week again this week. This week, so I think he's one of those guys that if you're doubting that one, don't because I think he's gonna go off. I think they've really found it. We were talking
0: about that a little bit earlier in the show, just them hitting their stride as a running game. It makes them very potent offense, and it just feels yeah. like. This is not going to change. As soon as they got back to this, there's no reason for it to fall apart. I mean, that line is only going to get better as the year goes on. I agree with you, Danny. I think that for the rest of the season, as long as he's on the field, he's going to be very effective.
1: Hell yeah. Danny, it's time. <laughs> Let's do it. It's time. My favorite,
0: my favorite stretch of the week.
1: It's time for the <laughs> thing everybody wants. I mean, I, I would assume we probably have to f- fill everybody in on what happened the previous 40 minutes of this podcast because most people, most people are just skipping Right. DK's Dark Knight. It's all anybody cares about. <laughs> so we have DK's Dark Knight. Last week, rough. Not it was great. Rough. It, was, it was Eric Decker. Previously yeah. on DK's Dark Knight, it was Eric Decker. Two targets, <laughs> zero catches, zero yards. What the
3: hell happened, you guys? I mean, uh, hey, I, I feel good because I think it was a little bit of a conspiracy. I mean, even Jesse James Decker is on my side on this. I mean, what are they doing? Why didn't they use him more? Did she get after the Titans? Oh, yeah, she was going, on, going after him on Twitter. It was pretty funny. <laughs>
0: is, is that a club you want to be a part of, Danny? Anyone that Jesse James is a part of?
1: De- Eric Decker Hive.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, um, it was rough. Okay, redeem yourself. All right, so this week, my guy is Hunter Henry. I'm I'm really excited about this player. I think he's oh, just really, man. really fun. Um, I mean, great athlete. Yep. In a good system because obviously Phil Rivers has relied on tight end, you know, in the passing game for years. I mean, he, he and Antonio Gates, you know, Hall of Fame connection there. And Gates is basically sort of being phased out of that offense. It's It sucks to see on one hand, but it's also exciting for Henry just because I think he's, you know, obviously healthy, faster, and, and all that. And going up against Patriots defense, it could be tough on, I mean, they just lost Dante Hightower, which is real rough for them. You know, they still don't have a huge pass rush. Uh, Hunter's Hunter Henry's gotten 20 targets in the past three weeks for red zone looks. I mean, I just think he's primed to keep, you know, producing at really high levels. I, he, he's a bit of a, of a you know, boomer bust kind of guy. A lot, a lot of tight ends are, frankly, but I'm pretty high on him this week. I think against that Patriots defense, he could go off.
1: Which one of his family members is going to be attacking the offensive coordinator? <laughs> <laughs> After he <they> gets zero <laughs> catches on Sunday, an
0: so, ant of some kind. I think it's gonna be a little bit further removed. Yeah, I'm
3: gonna find that out. I'll have to look for that. Um, oh. That that yeah. So that was good. I think uh, I don't think we're gonna have to worry about that this week though. Ooh, look at you, Danny. Just taking a shot back on track.
0: Come on, that one makes a lot of sense, buddy. I, I think that uh, they are gonna look to him. I mean, I mean, Gates's snaps just continue to decrease every single week. The tight end's gonna be a part of that offense, and they don't really have anybody that can cover them unless. I assume they'll play a lot of three safeties. Maybe it's Chung all day, but I still feel like he's going to get a lot of work.
1: Absolutely. Danny, thank you. Thanks, bud. Talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Coming up, Joel Solomon wants to know if he's crazy. And we play another round of Can They Score More Than Rotten Tomatoes? Robert didn't get to do that last week. I know. I'm very happy. We're running it back so that you can do it. Plus, we'll let you know what we think next week's headlines will be. But first, let's take a quick break. Robert, so the over under on last night's game was 38. The Dolphins didn't score, but the Ravens hit the over by themselves. It's
0: exactly what we all expected. It was the high scoring affair from Baltimore that everyone predicted. But if you somehow knew that was happening,
1: I hope you got your over bet in on my bookie. My bookie has been around for a long time, and we always talk about the best part fast payouts.
0: They pay out faster than the ringer. That is true.
1: Anyway, where you bet is just as important as what you're betting on. People have to start using MyBookie, and they have a cool mobile site so you can bet from anywhere. They even have an online casino for craps and blackjack. Alright, also check this out. Last week we told you that the 100% bonus
0: from MyBookie was only available through this past Sunday, but they've extended it one more week. Did they extend it or they just forget to stop giving it out? It doesn't matter. <laughs> that has
1: no bearing here. After Sunday, though, it's gone, so get it before it's too late. Join now and iBookie will match your deposit with up to 100% bonus for the last time this year. Use promo code RINGERNFL to activate offer. Visit mybookie.ag today you play you win you get paid we're also brought to you by wish the mobile mail app that connects you to thousands of merchants yeah wish is a big deal over 300 million people are using this app to shop fashion shoes electronics gadgets basically anything and you pay 60 to 90 percent less than the store because you get it directly from the makers It's kind of crazy when you realize how much things are
0: actually marked up when you get them in the store, but not if you use Wish. They even have an outlet section full of products from all the biggest brands.
1: And if you're not in a rush, you can get lower shipping rates
0: than anywhere else. This is the number one shopping app on the App Store and Google Play and the highest rated mobile shopping app in the world. Plus, all of you basketball fans will be glad to know that Wish is the official mobile shopping partner of the Lakers. They got Big Baller brand. Uh, You'll have to check it out to see. And if our listeners do check it out, Wish is offering all new users a free gift with their purchase.
1: But if you're already using Wish, you're not left out. All listeners can get 20% off your purchase by using my code, RINGERNFL. Just download and open the Wish app, find things you didn't even know you needed, and enter code RINGERNFL for 20% off your purchase. All right. We've got Joel Solomon here. We've had him here for the entire show. He's been shaking his head at various points. He's been writing words on Google Docs and then showing me, and I don't know what they're saying because there's no context to them.
2: It's amazing that a majority of my time spent here at The Ringer is just looking at you and not being able to talk. Between this and Slow News Day, I just— this is my job here. It's a good role for you.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, Joel. Sounds awesome. We've I'm got, sad I'm not there. <laughs> we've got Joel Solomon here. He's ready for his latest edition of Am I Crazy? It's almost approaching DK's Dark Knight levels of phenomenon.
2: We are. We already know the answer to that, so let's get to the football. So give us two Am yes. I
1: Crazies, Joel.
2: Martavis Bryant. Guys had a, a busy year coming back after a year-long suspension. You know, he's very busy, demanding trades, saying on Instagram he's better than Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, he's uh, d- been declared inactive this week. Big game against Detroit, relegated to the scout team. Uh, but Bryant said that he's fine. He's he's not tripping. That's a quote. I'm not tripping. Um, not doing much of anything. So, this is in the same week, albeit a different league, that Eric Bledsoe of the Phoenix Suns tweeted, I don't want to be here. So the Steelers are a franchise, and Mike Tomlin's a coach that hate distractions. So am I crazy, or would most other teams just let Martavius Bryant play on Sunday? Just, just throwing That's, it out there. He, it's not like he's punched anyone. There was right. no
1: drug suspension here. Just kind of being a schmuck. So here's the question. They were easing in Bryant into the offense. Right. They wanted to get him up to full speed. I don't know, maybe around this time, maybe a couple weeks from now. Do you think that this acting out is going to hurt his ability to be worked into the offense in a way that maybe they planned on? I feel
0: like he's going to come back next week and score like three touchdowns. Okay,
1: that that was my question. My question is, like, next week is Todd Haley going to be like, meh, nah. But this is a team that already has so many weapons.
2: They still want to get Jesse James, all the tight ends involved. It is it is hard to get his, as as he said, on this team. Now, that said, as far as distractions, Santonio San Holmes, the year he was uh, declared inactive in 08 after a marijuana possession, went on to win the Super Bowl MVP, just putting that out there. Right. But am I crazy, or would the Dallas Cowboys, Cincinnati Bengals, be starting Bryant on Sunday? That's all I'm saying, sir.
1: Uh, I think that most teams would take the approach like, oh, we're not going to be distracted by anything and just, just let him play. And Especially
0: a that guy that's had his history. If this were Antonio Brown, field, if yeah. this yeah. Were Antonio, Antonio Brown, he would wants. play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Right. I feel like the rules are different for Antonio Brown, but as an organization, I think that for the most part, this is kind of what
2: would happen league-wide. All right. We'll see if he makes a big return. I'm not, I'm not so sure. All right. Colts at Bengals can't believe you guys didn't want to talk about this one. Chuck Pagano, <laughs> Marvin Lewis, will they survive? Will either of them survive? I, I just also want to point out Chuck Pagano spent one year, one year as a defensive coordinator with the Ravens and then was hired to be the Colts head coach. I get it. He's a lifer. But I think we need to institute the Cuba Gooding Jr. rule where, so it, where is this guy? You're a fun actor. You're a good, solid supporting actor. But you can't carry a movie. And that's Chuck Pagano. That's Adam Gase as, as head coaches. So with Jeff Fisher fired last year with 165 losses, tied for the most all-time with Dan Reeves, Marvin Lewis still has 107. He, he still has a, a long way to go. Am I crazy? Or does Jeff Fisher get a coaching job again so he can have the all-time losses record to himself? <laughs>
1: Um, in he's, this league,
2: nothing would ever surprise me. He's only fifty nine. So, so, Jeff Fisher is fifty nine years old. Yeah, he looks he looks seventy nine. Jeff Fisher has coached in the league for fifty eight years. <laughs> well, I mean that'll those
1: those Rams years will do it to you. Pete oh Carroll, God, I can't believe he's fifty nine years old. Jeff, Jeff Fisher insane. is seven years younger than Pete Carroll. <laughs> A lot of seven and nine <laughs> BS. That's gonna that keeps you young Yeah. 7 and 9 oh my god keeps that's you amazing young. isn't it appropriate
2: so, he retired wouldn't retire possibly be be done tied with dan reeves most losses of all time He can't even get i can't even <laughs> win that
1: record folks <laughs> there you go <laughs> so <laughs> here's, here's there's a couple things here number 1 i kind of think this rams run he's going to be able to spin that he's going <laughs> to oh, be like i got him ready I've built this team i got Ooh, installed player development discipline and then they let the young Pope Sean McVay come in, <laughs> and 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 maybe maybe he's like his destiny is to be like the Buck Showalter, ooh, where he just gets him he gets him into shape, and then you bring in Joe Torre or Sean McVay, yeah, two very similar people, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because Todd Gurley had such a great year last year, he was on he was the, amazing, he was on yeah, the cusp. Jeff Honestly, Fisher taught him life lessons. All right, he if somebody was playing Sean
0: McVay in a movie, it would probably be Jude Law, right?
1: The casting uh, makes sense. I don't know about that.
2: I don't I don't know if Jeff Fisher is getting another job and almost because of the Rams
1: being so good. Who plays Jeff Fisher in the movie Sam Elliott? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so perfect and that speaks to why I am just baffled that he's only 59 Sam years old. Sam Elliott with the die job. I mean, uh, no, just let who, him go, Greg. Who, was, who cares? I'm not who was, going uh, seven and nine.
2: Who was the coach on
1: Friday Night Lights? Kyle Chandler? Kyle Chandler could be Jeff Fisher. No way. No way. Yeah. I need someone far more weathered and broken, and Sam, that's exactly what Sam Elliott gives Sam you. Sam Elliott is seven years older than Pete Carroll. Sam hmm. Elliott looks seven years older than Pete Carroll, so that makes sense. I don't know, that Pete Carroll to me looks 32 years old. We'll oh,
2: no, that's I'm saying that's fine, but seven Elliott, Sam Elliott looks 73 years yeah, old. Yeah, 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 yeah. Guys, it, it doesn't matter because Andy Reid is going to coach until he's 105 or in, until he just passes out on the sideline. He'll get the all-time loss record. <laughs> I, I'm convinced. All right, Kev, time to play. Will they beat Rotten Tomatoes? Do you have the theme music?
1: No. What is it? is I the music? Know. Just the when they open the gates at Jurassic Park. <laughs> That's the best theme music. Yeah. All right. So last week that music should be yeah. applied to a lot more situations than it should be wedding songs. I'm, you, I'm I'm tying the knot in a couple months here. There's still time. I don't know if we
2: can clear it, so I'm not gonna hum it. So rights wise, <laughs> and also this is an NFL, a serious NFL podcast, very yeah, serious. Yeah. Don't hum it. Congratulations, you last week were. 2-0, and uh, Geostorm, were going, as, going as of Friday, was uh-huh. a 27 Rotten Tomatoes. You picked it to beat the Bengals, who scored 14. You were correct. Thank you. The Snowman, as of Friday, was an 11. By the way, it's since dropped to like a 3 on Rotten Tomatoes. Kevin, you picked the Dolphins, who exploded for 31 points. So you were 2 for 2. Dolphins wouldn't have beaten anyone last night. Uh, so this week, we have the Browns. Going up, uh, they're actually at home against the Vikings against, I was going to do Jigsaw, but Jigsaw took a huge it's jump. Suburbicon. So, so let's go Amityville, Ooh. The Awakening, which is at 20% right now. Okay, so. This is a revival of the popular yeah. franchise and a yeah. modern twist on the classic horror film coming in at 20% right now. Jennifer Jason Leigh in this movie, Bella Thorne. The Browns are God starting God Only Knows
1: this week at quarterback. I'm going to say they're playing the Colts. They're playing the Vikings at home. Oh, oh the Bengals are playing the Colts. Um, They are going to score less points than the Amityville. The you're, Awakening. Going,
2: you're going with Amityville in the upset.
1: Yeah, I am. <laughs> Robert? I am also going with Amityville. Okay. There's I don't
0: know if the Browns can get to 20 points against the Vikings. All right. How are we still making these movies? Also, big month for Bella Thorne and horror movies. She's in The Babysitter on Netflix, too, in the span of
2: two weeks. Big October for her. I like that that's your takeaway. How are the Browns still playing football was was <laughs> what we were looking for. <laughs> All right, so you guys are both taking the movie. Now we've got 49ers at Eagles. The 49ers uh, are going up against... Suburbicon, 29%, mm. uh, according to the critics' consensus, a disappointing misfire for director George Clooney. <laughs> Suburbicon attempts to juggle social satire, racial commentary, and a murder mystery. Oh, and it ends up making a mess of all three. <laughs> Not and None of the threads turn out good. Just like the 49ers on offense, defense, and special teams. Wow. 29% for Suburbicon. Can the 49ers beat it? No, <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty no. simple one. The Eagles' defense is actually good. This one.
1: Suburb- we need worse movies. Uh, well, I mean, last week we got them. I well, know that's what I mean. No, we but can I can I, can I can I say something? Last weekend we were getting re- real time updates from DK and JS about the Rotten Tomato scores of the movies, and both of them, I believe, fell. Is oh, that correct? Into the single yeah. digits. So, Robert, it's not. This is—it's like a, a betting line. Like we, the the rotten. <laughs> you gotta get it early. You, no, no, no. The Rotten Tomatoes score changes, so you have to sort of anticipate. You have to anticipate whether or not Suburbicon is going to fall, or Amneville is going to fall. It could go up. It the, could go up. the, 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 crit- you gotta, all, the critics is, could love this it. This is a multi-layered question. This I is the it. jigsaw of of football pod questions. Uh, I'm still going with with Suburbicon I don't wow, care wait a second it guys can I talk real quick the, the rare misfire for George Clooney last four movies Suburbicon The Monuments Man which was bad the Ides, the Ides of March and Leatherheads yeesh yeah maybe George Clooney shouldn't direct I mean maybe that's where we're at right now the fact
0: that the Coen brothers had their names on this movie is not great I mean I expected a little bit more it's a great
2: movie poster though
0: the trailer was fine. I don't know. I really like
1: Oscar Isaac. This the entire thing is very disappointing. Matt to Damon me. got to bring out his Good Shepherd glasses.
2: <laughs> People also <laughs> say. the uh, same pair. He's got like yeah. 10 of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the snowman, everyone also said, had a good trailer. Keep in mind. That's very true. I was trying
0: to decide what I wanted to see today. and I, Just the utter awfulness of the snowman interests me, but I'm going to go with the killing of a sacred deer instead. I, sub- I only have so much time.
1: Suburbicon is a good example of the Bill Simmons Adam Carolla rule that he, Bill discusses a lot in which the name came before the story. Mm. Suburbicon. <laughs> like George Clooney and the and the Cohen brothers were just like Suburbicon. Got it. Let's start. We'll start we'll meet at we'll meet at the Venice coffee shop tomorrow. Write this up. <laughs> so it it sounds like you're still taking Suburbicon, though, over 49 Oh, heavens, yes. Okay. I absolutely. Although have. I think Suburbicon will, will, will go down, but I think the Niners will score like seven points. Exactly. That's the problem here. It can't get that much worse. This is good news for George Clooney. He'll win something then. <sighs> All right, fellas. <laughs> Before we get out of here, let's put our visionary hats on and predict what comes next as far as the biggest headlines in the week. Robert, start us off. I feel like the Cowboys
0: have kind of been a little quiet recently. I mean, they've been out of the news longer than you'd expect them to. And after that really impressive showing against the 49ers and what I assume will be another nice offensive day against Washington, I feel like we could start to get the are the Cowboys contenders conversation if they have a really nice game on Sunday. I think they might. And it just, again, we've talked about this a lot. The watered down NFC, there aren't that many really good teams. That second wild card feels very up for grabs if we assume the 40 or the Seahawks are getting one of them. So it just feels like that Dallas team could be in the hunt with
1: everybody else. And if they have another big week, I feel like the volume on that is going to start to get turned up. For me, it's going to be what we've been talking about for a month and a half now, which is the protest stuff. Um that's been Rekindled by an ESPN story by Don Van and Seth Wickersham on Friday that essentially pointed out that the owners have no idea what they're talking about as far as the anthem stuff they met. Um, Terry Pagula referred to Anquan Bolden as Antoine. Um, Bob McNair called them inmates running the prison. Uh, Dan Snyder said that 98% of fans supported standing. Uh, we live in a post-facts world. It was all very good. And, uh, no, and so I think that there's going to be a reaction to that from players. I think that, you know, what if you're a Texans player? Do you speak out about that? Um, If you're a Redskins player, do you speak out about that? If you're Anquan Bolden, do you say, hey, that's... I mean, the Pagula thing was sort of minor because Pagula was talking about how great Bolden was, but I thought that was a very funny detail that they had. Um, So I think there's going to be a little bit of fallout from that specifically on on Sunday, and uh, we'll be talking about that on Monday and Tuesday. That's it for today. We'll be back on Tuesday to recap NFL's Week 8. As always, thanks for listening to The Ringer NFL Show on The Ringer Podcast Network. Thanks, guys. Over 300 million smart and thrifty shoppers have discovered Wish, the mobile app that makes it easy to shop fashion, shoes, electronics, and more directly from the makers. That way, you pay 60 to 90% less than you would pay in the store. And now for our listeners, Wish is offering all new users a free gift with purchase. But dedicated Wish lovers, don't worry about being left out. All listeners can download and open your Wish app, find things you didn't even know you needed, and enter the code RINGERNFL for 20% off your purchase.